On this podcast, we're breaking the silence. Welcome to Mental Health. It's time to talk. Here's your host, Alan Kaler. Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for taking the time to tune in on today's show. We have a social worker, a man who's on a healing journey, a man who's always taking the time to work on himself. Yes, that would be Travis Williamson. Travis, good to see you. Welcome. Thanks for having me, Alan. Hey, thanks for being here. You know, Travis, what's interesting is the first time, actually, that our paths crossed, your posts kept showing up in my Facebook feeds. I'm like, who, who is this man? And why is he talking so much about emotions? Travis, that's not what men do. <laughs> yeah, not typical, is it? To... No, but I, I was so intrigued. And I love the way that you walk through life and the fact that you're always willing to work on self. Now, I also know that as a kid, any kid will enter into this world innocent, hoping that they're going to be loved and nurtured and trauma has a way of significantly impacting those basic needs. Yeah, like I know growing up for me, I, I grew up with my, my grandmother from about, you know, the age of three to 11. And, you know, my grandmother believed that you you had a roof over your head and food in your mouth. And, and that's, that's what you were provided with. And I'm grateful for that. But um, I also had no emotional emotional need met. No, no support in that way. And um, I had really early childhood trauma that started to come out later on. And who knows where that would have went if there was more emotional support there? I, I, I don't know, right? But I do know without it, it was really difficult. And it didn't take long, like 11, by the time I really started to act out. And, you know, you're basically screaming and crying for, for attention, for help, because your, your needs haven't been met. You're looking for that love that, that 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 you need and that support that you need. So, you know, we we just end up by present still, and I'm very grateful that we can have these conversations because I find a lot of people who struggle with mental health they they have a very hard time finding their voice, whether it's because of the stigma that still exists. But uh, Really, Ed, I think, uh, well, I know that Justin would be most proud. Um, I have a, a candle here for him. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's it, emotions are a funny thing, aren't they? You know, like this feels really, really good. Like I feel, feel, feel like safe and I feel better and healthy and, and that. And so that kind of opened the door for me to start just talking and it was it was slow and scary and vulnerability is a, a very very scary place but you have to, you have to start start somewhere and so you know there's no looking back after that once you see what it can do for you is it's about moving moving forward or falling forward however you want however you want to see it yeah yeah and we've talked about this often Travis that emotions are energy and when we cannot manage them effectively then you know we run into problems especially for men anger is often a go-to emotion and you have shared a few times that you basically just unleashed that anger onto the community yeah 
and I still can unleash that anger. It might not be as is like you know as extreme or as it is like catastrophic, but I can still feel that that anger there at times in certain situations. I just you know try to do something different with it. You, you use your skills that you have, but it's still we're going to experience anger. It's an emotion that we're going to have, but what are we going to do with it? What action are we going to take from it? Are we going to lash out and use verbal, you know, uh, hatred, or are we going to go for a walk? Or are we going to, you know, do some exercise? Whatever it is, we have to find something different to do with it. And anger is a secondary emotion, right? There's always something underneath. And if you can find out what's underneath that, what's really bothering you, then you're on your way to healing something because you're discovering something new about yourself. You and I both have that awareness now, but you and I both did not have that awareness. And we both dealt with that pain because for me, totally agree. Anger being that secondary emotion. When I look back, I was simply in pain. I didn't know what to do with that pain. So I lashed out, turned to substances and you, your, your past was no different. Yeah. Like, Oh, very, very much into substances, anything to numb. Right, anything to not to not uh, have to experience that pain that we're feeling inside. It's it's uncomfortable, almost unbearable when we feel that that pain and we feel rejection or abandonment and all these huge emotions we're not used to used to feeling and especially not knowing what to do with them. It almost feels like you're you're going to explode inside, and it, it's yeah, man. You know, it, it, a lot of shame comes from those experiences too. Right, you get angry and then you feel shameful and guilty, and then that has to sit with you. Then that's another emotion that you don't want to deal with. Now you got to numb with with something. But yeah, I can. And so now, um, like I used to, I was an intravenous user, uh, you know, for many years in my life, and, and a drinker, and I was able to, you know, quit quit coke and quit all these things. But um, cannabis was something that I always kind of used as a harm reduction, but it was just still numbing. And so I quit. It's been about almost six months now since I like last had any, but from it's amazing when I quit, how much more stuff came up and how much more pain came out that I didn't know was there. I thought I had dealt with a lot of things or I thought I was coping well. And it was like, no, no, like you've been suppressing a lot of things as well. And so a lot of that has came up and more of that anger with it. You know, like, cause that doesn't go away either. <laughs> so it's like, it's like reliving kind of this like adolescent uh, experience again, right? And, and even though I have these skills and I have more knowledge in that, I, I still can get irritable and upset. Uh, but you know, I'm doing it from a clean place. Like this is, and so I'm able to sit with those big, huge feelings now and, and that anger and, um, yeah, I'm not always successful with it, Alan, still. <laughs> but, man, it's it's about the, the long run, right? Like, it's lifelong. And, and, and healing and changing and shifting, it's a lifelong journey. And if if you think you got it right now, that's your ego. And you got to let go of that, too. Yeah, you're so right. You know, there, there's an element of um, humility. But, Travis, I think it's – it wasn't it 37 years that you were smoking cannabis? 37 yeah. years? Yeah, 11 years old I started. Uh, that's Yeah, and so I've had little breaks when I was in custody for a while. But you found other things in there 
to do, right? And <clears throat> yeah, it's amazing. And I, I even had to quit quit coffee two days ago because oh. of, my anxiety was like high. So it's like, you know, I can't I can't do it. So I went to decaf and you go through your withdrawals and headaches and stuff, but I'm finding the more stuff that I I remove, like it's like being on something that getting off of is causing me emotional or physical pain. I don't want to be on anymore. And I feel like it's blocking that that journey into this real authentic place inside of myself. And I want to see who I am without anything behind it or anything's, you know, using something. I want to be in the raw and I want to re regrow from childhood. I don't care if I got to go through these stages of being a baby and going up through adolescence. I want to experience that, you know, sober and, and clean and um, from an un unprotected heart. I think that's one of the biggest things that uh, for me in recovery is, um, you know, a great friend of mine talk about an unprotected heart where all your walls are down, where all your defenses are gone. And it's just you and yourself and you have to feel what's going on in there. My greatest healing comes from that, that place. And so recovery from addiction has to come from that place too. I mean, for me, Travis, that's, that's incredibly honorable, admirable to be able to just let the walls down to give yourself permission to feel. Because I mean, for me, it was always do not make me feel, do not make me go within. And I think that for those of us who have endured various forms of trauma, like at the end of the day, it is completely natural to want to just leave that pain behind and exchange it for pleasure. Mm -hmm. But the fact is you now give yourself permission to feel. You are also a father. We do the best we can with what we have. When we know better, you do better. And I know that you've shared in the past that, you know, as a father, um, maybe you, if you could, you'd probably do things differently as I would, as we all would, but then you also have a grandson. And I know that one of the key things that you pride yourself on and I commend you for is you teach him how to feel. Yeah. Hugs, man. I'll give a million hugs. You want to cry? You, you cry, cry it out, man. Like, right. There's no like suck it up or what you crying about. Like, you know, none of those statements even cross my mind. You know, it's like, you know, do you, do you need some comfort? Do you need some, like, because I you learn that there's a need there missing somewhere. What is your need that's causing such distress or such emotions to, to come up? And, and that helps me, too, um, to be able to, um, you know, act in ways with my grandson that I necessarily didn't do with my old, like, with my own children. And it's healing. And they get to see me too and they're like oh like you know whatever image you might have had of me right in those ways changes and that's healing for them too and they're like no i always hugged you guys like i always loved you guys and we played and we did all these silly things together the difference was is as i taught you to be hard because i thought that's what we were supposed to do to protect ourselves don't let anybody in right close a closed system and and so to 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 kind of teach them that that's, you know, and I've tried to talk to them about this for years. What I taught you was wrong, completely wrong. You got to relearn that, you know, you got to uncover all that. And I, it sucks that you have to put that work in now, but that, that, that wasn't a successful way to raise you to be tough and to be hard and to be strong. 
you know, uh, physically, right? That to shut your emotions down because the world is going to treat you like crap and all these, all these messages that I had about society, right? And yeah, so it's awesome that I get to hang out and just teach and show because it really is about our actions a, di a different way. Well, you, you were in a state of survival. And so unfortunately, some of those pieces, including feeling, has to be shut off. And any kid, any kid who is raised in an environment where there's trauma learns three things very, very quickly. Nobody says them. They're not written down. But you learn you don't talk, you don't trust, you don't feel, right? That's right. And I went into... <clears throat> Like I had really early childhood trauma and then like I had a break with my grandma for a little while, but then I went into custody at 12 years old. I was already committing crimes and I was already in like Kilburn Hall and, and custody. And when your teachers are other like peers who are in trouble or guards or whoever they are, you don't like, you don't learn um, healthy coping strategies for your emotions. Like you're, you're constantly in survival. Um, you know, it's, it's triggering to hear door slamming and people yelling and all those things that go on in, in institutions that like, and even <laughs> it's funny because even after you're out of a survival, you're still feeling like you're in survival, you know, and your body won't let go. Your body holds on to that and you have to find ways to, to let go, <laughs> let go of all that, that survival, uh, survival feeling. Right. And, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Cree, Cree chimed in here, and I know you know Cree. She says, Travis, you're an absolute amazing human. I've known you for so many years, and you're such a role model. Miss ya, and keep up the good work. There's another great story, right? Like another great journey of trauma being uncovered and, and a healing path and doing something really good with your, I don't want to say good and bad, but something really um, inspiring with your trauma. It doesn't have to be bad. You can use your trauma, um, you know, to to show others that we can overcome this stuff. You're not you're not alone. Trauma, you're not alone. Uh, you know, guaranteed 100%. Trust, trust, trust me, right? Uh, we're not we're not alone <laughs> when it comes to trauma. All of us. We have like we we have friends in in, in the forest out here. You know, <clears throat> and that's a beautiful thing. But unfortunately, most people don't know that or they don't believe it and yeah. i i know that for us we both feel as though there's nothing more powerful than someone's story and stories are what allows us to connect and your story travis was featured in the book men and mental health and the the beautiful thing is it has then given other people the ability to connect with your experiences and see hope whether it's people like cree who and even for myself, it's like this twisted sense of gratitude that unfortunately both of us had to go through some challenging times, but we have arrived at this place. We give ourselves permission to surrender, to feel, and to be vulnerable and just share, learn, grow. Yeah. You know, and I, and I will talk in a minute about like, I have run groups in my own home, like we've, like we've discussed before. And try because there's no nowhere else to, to go except for into my home because you know I don't have funding I don't have connections that way. But I've also worked in intimate partner violence where there's like groups of men, 15, 16, 17 men have to share their feelings, emotions, and stories, and the energy that comes from that is unbelievable. I've been in like um, 
like circles with indigenous people or, or in sweats and and the greatest healing has come from those um those stories and you're right alan it's an honor to hear another person's story like what a privilege we have to be able to hear those stories of someone else and and for them to sit and receive our story as well there's just something about that energy that that just creates um i don't know love it creates safety and, and i've talked about na meetings as well and groups of people coming together um it creates a different healing environment than trying to do it on your own and i think you can only do it on your own for so long and you might be successful for a little while but if you're not connected with others um it's very difficult right to to, to navigate all this and to feel like you're alone because when you're alone you start to feel like you're alone when you're with other people you start to feel like you're with other people <laughs> yeah right well yeah and i i mean in terms of healing from trauma i think connection is everything first of all learning how to connect with self but then also learning how to connect with others and so what did you find travis when you opened up your house and you let other men into your space and you created that safe environment for men to just open up. What did that look like? Oh, it looks like, it's hard to describe because I want to go to an emotion and where people start to feel empathetic towards one another. Hmm. And when we start to have that compassion and empathy for one another, we start to see each other and treat each other differently. <clears throat> one of the struggles though that I, that I did have in there is that <clears throat> eventually the groups kind of dissipated is that they felt like they're bringing their stuff into my private home, into my space, and they're leaving bad mojo there. Right. <clears throat> and it was really hard to get past that for people because because that is your, your the, you know, your safe space and that's your home. And even though I'm saying, no, it's okay. Like this is a good place to meet and to gather. It was, it was difficult in that way. So, you know, to find places where people are comfortable being. And I think that's why some of these, these meetings or the areas we talked about that we need for gathering and, and, and to heal um, are, are required because people do have trouble coming into, into your home and, and that's normal and, and that's okay. But a real lack of that real lack of space is, is devastating for us. Yeah, hundred percent. But I love the fact that you actually created the space. And when you create the space, people will eventually come. I'm going to guess that even in those circles and especially with men, trauma affects relationships, doesn't it? Yeah, it sure does. All relationships. All relationships. Yeah. And if you're like me and you have like, I have no secure attachment, <clears throat> right? That man, I could either be really avoidant. I could be very clingy or needy, or I could look for love outside of myself, but relationships, <clears throat> probably one of the most complex <clears throat> areas in life. Um, <clears throat> but some like, uh, some of the work that I've been doing, Oh, Mariah, like um, Sky uh, Sinclair taught me this, that are your thoughts and your feelings bringing you closer to a compassionate and loving self with relation to yourself? Hmm. Because it has to start here. 
This is like, I have another uh, amazing friend. This is home, right? This is where we need to build relation first. And if we can build relation here, those other relationships will start to become, um, I don't want to say easier, but uh, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll just come from your heart because you're in a good, you got good boundaries and you have, um, you're coming from your, your place of your heart, not your anger or your fear. Because you can only do things out of fear or love. Which one are you going to choose? Relationships for me are scary because I don't have a secure attachment. So everyone's leaving me. <laughs> Everyone eventually is going to leave me, right? And so I self-sabotage for them to, like, to leave, you know? Like, you don't love me enough. Prove to me that you love me. Why aren't you showing me that you love me? So there's all these different types of attachments we have when we're, they're not secure. And it makes relationships very, very difficult. But when we could share with each other and be in that open heart with each other, we build, we build a magical connection with each other. doesn't matter what gender, right? It's like something, something powerful comes from that. There's a great proverb, Travis, that says something to the effect of go within or go without. Yeah. And to your point, it's up to us to essentially create our own happiness. We create our own reality for a lot of people who are surrounded with trauma we often look outside of ourselves for someone to save us only to realize that oh wait what someday we arrive at the point where we have to save ourselves and do the work yeah yeah and <clears throat> we like to do that because then we have someone to blame if i don't you know and there's no one else to blame if it's like you know you got to do do this for you there's nobody else right because it's it's again it's that scary that emotional stuff that we haven't been able to learn to cope with yet. And that trauma starts to come up and it comes out and um, it has to come from in here. And, you know, that's accountability as well too, Alan, right? Like accountability has to come from, from us as well. And when we don't want to take accountability, we look outside of ourselves and we can do that with addictions, with like sex, with relationships, whatever, whatever it is. Here, I like that quote, right? It's, it's bang on. Uh, You've, talked about the word love a few times you've alluded to it love is probably the most powerful beautiful emotion that exists for a lot of men in particular love is uh it's a hard thing to say it's a hard thing to feel um it's you know we didn't really see it modeled necessarily around us men talking about love how does one or how did you arrive or start that process of loving self, you know, like men, we don't talk like that. Mm -hmm. Well, I think for self, self love is again, through action, right. And doing things that are bringing me closer to that relationship with myself and going to groups and um, going back to school, whatever it might be for you, uh, making amends to, you know, to yourself and forgiveness uh, for yourself. Right. And because we're, we're constantly going to be making mistakes. That's we're human. We're normal. It's like, what are we going to do with that? Are we going to go into a, a state of pity or self, you know, loathing, self depreciation, or are we going to take action? And I find that as long as I'm taking some kind of action, I'll start to love myself again. You know, like I'll, I'll heal from that. It might take some time depending on what I did, you know, but I will come to a place of, oh, like, yeah, you're, you, you've come a long way. And I have to remember where I started. 
and to where I am. Because I forget that journey sometimes, right? That I've gone that far. And that, man, like, you deserve love, Travis. You deserve love. And you can give that to yourself. Um, I'll share a little story, but we were talking about going back to community. And I went back. I grew up in a low-income, sturdy place uh, on the east side there. And I remember how much I felt so disconnected and alone there. And so I ended up writing about 12 letters, you know, saying, you know, like, if you find this letter, you know, just make sure you remember to love yourself. And then I stuck in envelopes and I, I took them and I put them around all the areas I used to hang out with, you know, or hang out at. And just to go give that that child inside of myself some love that you know he didn't feel back then, and I felt like a hundred you know million dollars, man. It's like oh, like hopefully some kids will get that, but that was for for me. So you have to be compassionate and do kind things for that little child inside of yourself. You gotta hug it and them and visualize them and and do things, anything, Alan, to to come back to like feeling. Um, honor for yourself and respect for yourself and love for yourself and especially compassion right and, and kindness and it's just about putting the work in like i hate work because I, then i think that's oh, work you know people hear work and they run away i gotta come up with a new word instead of instead of using work right <laughs> that's a cool story man thanks for sharing yeah. you're you're a great soul what what would it have done for you travis if you when you were a kid had come across a letter like that, how would you like, would you have been able to resonate with it all because you were in survival mode? What would it have done? Yeah, I don't know. Hopefully it would have just, cause I wrote some other stuff in there. Like I hear you mm. and you know, so I'm hoping that it would have made me feel heard, mm. right? That someone was actually listening and hearing me. And that's been a struggle up to adulthood where I don't feel heard, when I don't feel heard, that's a little bit of a trigger for me, right? I'm still screaming out sometimes. And, you know, we, we feel like we're supposed to be heard when we speak, but, you know, we don't have to. <laughs> it's not like that's, it's not like another person's responsibility to listen to us, right? Like it's just not. And having that expectation that everyone's supposed to hear you, but that's my, my wound, right? And it's, that's having that knowledge of those wounds that come up. Not all. This is that wound I'm feeling. Thank you for showing me I still have this wound. <laughs> I still got to give myself some love here, uh, some compassion, right? Because they keep coming up, Alan. <laughs> Those wounds, they come up, right? It's very true. I find it's almost as though, I think in our previous conversation, Travis, we we talked about this. It's it's like you think that you've you've moved through that particular area. You think that you have it figured out. You've managed that emotion, dealt with it. And then left field, whether it's a trigger or something happens and you're just boom, right back, right back in it. But the difference is that we know that it will pass and we have a, a set of tools now that we utilize. Hmm. Yeah. And it's, it's different. Like I've noted, like I've been feeling really depressed. So I like, I've been crying a lot actually, like, and I'll drive in my car and I'll cry even before work the other day. And I'm like, I'm just gonna take a little bit extra time getting to work and let myself cry. Why do I have to stop this? Like I'm not unsafe, no one's being harmed hmm. and you feel so much better after. And I just needed to release something and trauma has to have a place to come out. 
right? And when we talk about that anger, I get to choose. How, well, I don't always get to choose, but I'd rather come out crying than anger, right? <laughs> right? And, and because we weren't allowed to cry, especially in institutions. If you were shown uh, to be crying, you were weak and you were vulnerable and you never wanted to show that. And so it's, it's had to come later in my life where crying is an acceptable part of my, my life. And it's a loving part of my life to show that, uh, that much feeling. I love yeah. it. Yeah. Well, yeah, I guess nobody has gone to jail for crying. No. <laughs> we, should, we should put that on a t-shirt. That sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> Cry well, it out. Right. Like, yeah. Elders often say, you know, tears are medicine. And when you actually look at it scientifically, they've done this research where they cut an onion and then they look at what's in the tears compared to tears that were released from an emotional response. They're very different. There's literally toxins in the tears that are coming from an emotional response. Yeah. Isn't that beautiful? It is. Yeah. Like what a, what a beautiful, I used to say this, we're, we're born. Well, I shouldn't say used to, but I kind of use this analogy that when we're born, like, you know, able-bodied, if we're able-bodied with fingers to use, right? Like to grab a cup or to use a pen and we're, we got feet to walk, we got our eyes to see and our ears to hear. We're, and but we're born with emotions too. Why do we stop using them? Right. And they're restricted. Right. And we have to relearn. It's like relearning to, to walk again or to see again. It just amazes me that we're born with such beautiful parts to ourselves, but yet we're taught that they're unacceptable. That we shouldn't we shouldn't feel those or use them. And then we wonder why we have so much like why trauma is created, because it is generational, it is like you know lateral, and it just gets keeps getting passed on, right? And we have to stop stop this some, somewhere and it has to stop with us right here. That's just it, Travis. You have made it your mission that it stops with you. You do the work or whatever word you want to come up with so that the next generation doesn't have to fight so hard. Yeah, like our young people, oh man, our young people have it. They, I, I thought I had it hard. And I don't want to compare the two, but, you know, there's an overdose a day, basically. And there's like so much mental health and anxieties and depression and the wait lists, um, like, you know, I'm a social worker. I know these wait lists are, they're huge to get in to see, to see counselors and to get help. And it's growing. And I'd like to say it's because we're more open with it and people are coming in to seek help that necessarily we wouldn't um, have done when we were younger. There wasn't a lot of service mm -hmm. out there. But I see it. I work in the schools too. And they shouldn't have to go, go through this. They shouldn't have to um, carry our weight is like what I say, right? It's it's not fair that they carry our, our stuff. Like they're not responsible for our our trauma and our triggers and, and our mess. We have to like, we're, we're, we're the adults, right? We gotta be nurturing. We have to be nurturing and loving, not hard, you know? Yeah, you, you say it well. So for anyone, Travis, who may be working through their trauma or feels as though it's just really difficult for them to reach out for help or to feel are there any is there anything that comes to mind to just help them through that process or through that time of struggle well the biggest thing i think is before you start doing any sort of trauma work is you have a good support network in place because right. um, it's going to open up some stuff and some wounds and it you might have thoughts of suicide 
that's you know it's normal when you're in those places of distress to have these thoughts you're not you're not alone in that and so you have to have some really good supports in place with covid a lot of these groups that were once there are, are kind of disappeared right and there is a lot of online stuff um to get involved with like meditation groups you know and, and finding things that work for you but finding connection with other people i think is is so important and i, I keep bringing that up because i know through my own recovery that i've tried to do it alone and it's never been successful unless i'm with with, with others yes you got to do your own work in your own space at your own time but you have to have community you have to have supports there. So mental health addiction services, right? Um, again, making those calls in, in 811 and there's, um, oh, there's uh, rapid access where you can call and get, you can get a counselor within an hour sometimes now that will do a couple of sessions uh, with you. And mobile crisis, anybody, I'm just saying anybody, reach out to anybody because there are options out there. There are choices you can make um, when you are in that great distress, in that place where you feel like, I can't do it anymore. I don't know how many times I've said that. I can't do this anymore. It's too much. It's too hard. I'm just going to end it. And then I get through it. And mm. I, I've either messaged somebody on my phone or I've even made a Facebook post. Whatever it is to like get you through those moments, right? And um, people care about you. We want to think nobody cares about us. But there's people that really care that that you know that we're alive and that we're safe, and we, that's just important for me because I felt that way, where you think nobody there cares about you, but it's so it's so not true. It, you know, people are on the other end. You just have to reach out. You gotta you gotta you gotta reach out. Well said, my friend. Well, I really appreciate your time. I appreciate your insights, your wisdom. I love the fact that you continuously fight. And what you said you're on the second day without caffeine, that's pretty remarkable. Yeah, the headaches are kind of going away. It's the worst feeling I've had in a while. Uh, <laughs> it's like, oh. well, hey, we'll, we'll grab a tea. Yeah, that's right. How about? Yeah. All right. Yeah. I love you, man. And uh, thanks for having me on. Love you too. Thanks so much, Travis. And thank you so much, everyone, for taking the time to tune in. Keep talking. And yes, be happy.